Uh, well, we're on this little series on, um, on prayer, and uh, I hope you've been encouraged by it. I hope that uh, you uh, inspired in your prayer, and it's great when we can pray together like this, when we're gathered together and we've got a prayer team, as we've been hearing this morning, who can pray for us when we just need somebody to stand alongside us. Uh, but so important is our personal prayer, isn't it? And um, who, if we're absolutely honest, would say, oh, I wish I could do a bit better in personal prayer. A bit of mumbling around the room. Um, do you ever like me some mornings, you may not be a prayer in the morning, but I am, but some mornings you, you, you start to pray with great intentions, yeah? And partway through, it's a bit of a, your mind drifts. Or is it just me? No. On some mornings, has anybody ever nodded off when they've been supposed to be praying? <laughs> you know, you are not alone. The disciples did the same thing. Huh? If you go to Matthew 26, verse 40, uh, and then Jesus has been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's just before his uh, crucifixion, and he's praying to the Father that, God, if there's any other way out of this, Lord, <laughs> make it known, but Lord, whatever, Father, whatever your will is, I submit to it. And he's in agony in the garden and he's praying. And then it says in verse 40, having done that prayer, he then returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said, couldn't you men keep watching with me for one hour? Just for one hour. And it reminded me when I read that of um, an incident that happened 30 years ago. I know I was only 12. <laughs> but um, 30 years ago, and uh, the previous year, 1989, I'd left industry and started working as an assistant in the church. And one of the first jobs I was given was to uh, look after some of our older folk, go and visit them, etc. And I used to go and visit various people. And there was one particular couple I used to visit. And some of you who've been around a while will recognize their names. They were Walter and Gladys Chase. And um, they lived uh, in, in Scatto area uh, on Mendip Avenue, a little flat that they had there. And I used to go and visit them. And Walter, uh, latter years, was uh, struggling with movement, but he was always praising God, and he, he would praise God, and he would wave his arm around like this and get really excited. And then, uh, but he was a great reader as well. And one day I went to see them, and he said, David, he said, I've been reading this book. You've got to read it. You have got to read this book. And I said, okay, what is it? And he said, uh, it's called... Um, could you not tarry one hour? Which is equivalent of the King James Version of the verse I just read. Could you not tarry one hour? Written by a Dr. Larry Lee. Written in 1987. And he said, you've got to read it. So I did. I got myself a copy and I read it. And I tell you what, it so changed my personal prayer. It transformed it. And I'm still using some of the principles I learned reading that book today, 30 years on. Anybody want to know some of those principles? Oh, I've got you interested, haven't I? Well, we can't do any better than the words of Jesus. When his disciples said to him in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say this. And you begin to see unfolding the words of what we now refer to as the Lord's Prayer. 
Uh, and I think it's very valid to be able to speak that out, just to declare it as it's written, as it were. But also, when you see the other um, incident where this is recorded in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus puts it this way as Matthew records it. Verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. So this could be not just verbatim, but actually a pattern for prayer. Some things to think about and consider as you come to your Father. And words that we well know. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I'm going to just pick out seven things from these words that hopefully will encourage us in our personal prayer. Um, our Father in heaven. How many of you are glad that you can call him Father? You know, we just sang a song a moment ago where the verse said, I cast my mind to Calvary. Why can I call him Father? It's because of what Jesus has done on the cross. I cast my mind to Calvary. When I come to prayer, one of the first things I want to do is thank him. Thank him that he's my father. Thank Jesus that I now have this relationship with him that I can call him father. It's by virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ that we stand in relationship with him. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. We begin to praise God for who he is. And when you look at the word hallow, it means to revere, to revere his name. So what I want to do for a moment, and some of you will have seen these things before, but just to remind us of some of the Old Testament, Old Covenant names of God, how they relate to us today in the New Covenant. And so, why are we able to come to God the Father? It's because our sin has been forgiven through Jesus Christ, through the blood on the cross, yeah? So he's the, he brings forgiveness of sin. That's a great area of benefit for us. The Old Testament has a couple of names of God. Jehovah Tekenu, which means God, our righteousness. He has become our righteousness. And Jehovah, Jehovah Makedesh, the one who sanctifies do you know, it's not by what we can do, it's not by our endeavors, but by the God of love that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us that we're in this relationship with him. Yes. All through Jesus Christ. Transforms as from a moment we recognize that and embrace that and receive that truth. We sang a song earlier that said, I have a future, my eyes are open. All of a sudden I can see. I can see the truth. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're just beginning to see some truth to who this Jesus is and what he can do for you, the transformation he can bring you. Maybe seeing friends and relatives around you and you say, they've got something that I want. And I tell you what, they have a future through Jesus Christ. The God who sanctifies us. And having been set free from sin, because that's what this is talking about, we then come to a point that God just doesn't want to set us free, but he wants to fill us by his spirit. How many of you are glad about that? Um, the fullness of his spirit. When the spirit of God comes, the Old Testament word, uh, name of God, one of them was Jehovah Shalom, 
God is peace. Myself and Amory were praying with somebody just recently. We were in their home, and they were really uh, quite agitated. And I just felt we've got to pray. And we just began to pray. And I just sensed the Spirit of God in that room, and the peace of God just come. Anybody need some peace here this morning? God comes as we open our hearts to him. He comes and brings peace. If you're in turmoil, if you're agitated, if you've got anxiety today, God wants to bring peace into your life. It's not his will that you stay like that. He wants to bring transformation. He wants to bring peace. An Old Testament name, Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. When you were a kid and you went into, well, you didn't have to be, you didn't have to be a kid. You could be older. I remember the first time I ever went on an airplane. I, how old was I? I was well in my 20s. And um, you go to an airport. It was Heathrow for the very first time when I was flying to Asia. Never been on a plane before. Did 40,000 miles in, in the air over four weeks. Just whizzing around through Asia. But I'd never been before. So when you go for the first time to an airport, no matter whether you're a kid or older, you just think, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Oh, I tell you what, what I was really pleased is I had someone there who'd been before, who knew where to go, who knew what to do, who just, just follow me, just follow my prompts, you'll be fine, you'll be okay. I want to tell you this morning that God, Jehovah Sharma, the God who is there, is here right now with you. And I tell you what, whatever you're going through, when you know God is there, it transforms everything. Transforms your outlook and your perspective. And then we've heard it already this morning. I'll use the word soundness for health and healing. God wants to bring health and healing into our hearts and lives. Jehovah Rophe, the God who heals. And this is, you know, hallowed be your name. These are all things. Wow. And when you just sometimes quickly rattle off what we know is the Lord's Prayer, we miss so much if we're not careful. But revere his name, consider who he is, that God wants to bring healing into our lives. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, you need physical healing. Maybe you've already been out for prayer. Maybe you haven't yet. Maybe you've not asked. But ask and you will receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. And then God wants to bring up, these are all S's, I mean, you may have noticed. This may not be the best word I could find, but success. Freedom from the curse of the law. You know, when I was at um, college doing physics, we learned about something called entropy. Anybody know what entropy is? One or two hands going up. Basically, it says that things, naturally speaking, go from order to disorder. Just think about it. Naturally, somebody builds a brick wall. Over time, it will crumble and decay. Yeah? It may take a long time, but it, the brick wall does not build itself. It goes from order to disorder. God is about changing disorder and bringing order into our lives. The God who is Jehovah Jireh, the one who brings provision in all sorts of ways into our lives and brings some order and transformation. And then that sense of security. Freedom from the fear of death. I know we've heard people from this platform talk about a freedom from the fear of death. 
Jehovah Nissi, God our banner. You can align yourself with a football team if you like. You can align yourself with a cricket team if you like, or a rugby team. But I want to align myself with God, the Lord, my banner. Jehovah Rohi, God, my shepherd, the one who cares for me. And these are just some, these are not all, but these are just some names that when we say, hallowed be your name, why not think on some of these things? I tell you what, when you start to think on those things, it transforms what happens next. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. There's a song that says, let heaven come. Remember the song? We're going to sing it later, Pete, I think. I think the, the, yeah, he's nodding through there. I think they're going to sing it later. Let heaven come. That is a powerful prayer. Right here, right now, in our time together, let heaven come. Your will and your kingdom come. When you're thinking about your family or yourself, start with yourself. Lord, in my life, let your will take center stage. Let your purposes take center stage in my life and let your kingdom come. Start to pray for your family. Start to pray for the church. Been doing that already. Thank you, Howard. Pray for the nation, the towns and the area in which we live, for spiritual and political leaders, for a great harvest of people coming into the kingdom for such a time as this. Begin even to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, let your kingdom come. How many think heaven is, is just from what we know, the little we know and the little we understand, is stunning. And when we say heaven come, we're saying, Lord, let the stunning of heaven hit the normal of earth. Hit the depravity of earth sometimes. Let the stunning come. I'm going to rattle through this. God, give us this day our daily bread. You know, if we've got that bit right, the first the bit previous, being, being in the will of God... It makes this bit, I think, seem to work a bit better. Give us this day our daily bread. How many of you know God says, if you will honor me, I'll honor you? If we're willing to put him first, if we're willing to honor him, he's going to bring that provision. He's going to bring that help. He's going to bring that encouragement. He's going to bring our daily bread. How many believe it's actually God's will? He, He really does want to bless you. If you've got kids, as I've got kids, you want to help them where you can, when you can. But I have, in my natural bank account, limited resources. You may be different. But our Father in heaven does not have the restrictions I have. And he's able to do far more, as we've heard already, than perhaps we can ask or imagine. And sometimes we've got to be a bit specific in prayer, haven't we? Um, I remember just this last year, middle of the year, I said to Amory, I think it's time we change the car. And uh, I, I was being very practical, as I usually am with these things, and I said, well, what type of car do we need? Uh, what do we need it to do? The criteria have changed in the last four and a half years since we changed the previous time. What do we need it to do? And so based on those criteria, I then went on Auto Trader on the internet and punched those criteria in, and the car that kept coming up was a Volkswagen Passat. 
It's okay. Right, Lord, okay. Would you help me find a Volkswagen Passat? Amri then chips in. Because I'm with what we need. And Amri says, well, I'd really like a car that's not silver anymore. Well, I mean, that's not really a need, is it? It's more of a want. She said, well, the last few cars have been silver. Can we have a different color? I said, well, will you pray for something other than silver? And then she said, can I have a car with heated seats? I said, heated seats? That's not a need, is it? Well, I don't know this weather, but heated seats? I tell you what, God's blessed as we have a car that is blue, it's a Volkswagen Passat, and it has heated seats. Thank you, Jesus. And you might think that's a bit trivial. I tell you what, God is interested in the seemingly trivial of your life and mine, and he wants to bless you and encourage you and journey with you. And be tenacious in some things. Loads of stories in the New Testament of people keeping coming to God persistently for things. Then we go on to this next bit where it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, would you forgive us? Regularly, I find I have to come and say, Lord, I could have done that better. I should have done that better. I shouldn't have done that. Lord, would you forgive me? And he says, yeah, I'll do that. But he said, I'll do that as you forgive others. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, just a minute. You don't realize what that person's done. Now he says, in fact, this is the only part of what we know as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 that Jesus returns to after that little passage. He starts talking about forgiveness, re-emphasizing it. Maybe this morning God's just tapping us on the shoulder saying, hello, what about forgiving that person? If you need to forgive somebody, why don't you just... Sometimes we've got to just make a conscious decision, a decision of the will. Say, Lord, would you help me? But I really want to get to a place where I forgive that person. Lord, would you help me today? I believe God wants to help. God wants to help. And if you need to do that, why don't you do it? even now as I continue speaking. And then you find this little passage that says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How many are glad that the Bible says that God puts angels round about us? In fact, some of us have entertained angels unaware. I could tell you a story, but I haven't got time. But I just wonder if I had, we as a family had an encounter with an angel some years ago. Not only does he put angelic hosts around us on our behalf, protecting us, but he asks us to do something as well. The Apostle Paul highlights it in Ephesians 6, where he says, put on the whole armor of God. Put on some armor. I'm going to give you some things... I'm going to give you a belt of truth. I'm going to give you a breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to give you a helmet of salvation. I'm going to give you uh, sandals that you're just ready with the gospel of peace. I'm going to give you a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We haven't got time to unpack all that uh, in the few minutes I've got left. But take some time to have a think about when 
we pray that those words, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God's already given us some instruction for that. And begin to think about how to deploy that armor, as it were, effectively. And pray for protection around yourself and your family. I think somebody prayed this morning, um, I think it was Howard, about a, a hedge of protection. I remember somebody just recently uh, reminded me as you were praying it, somebody said, I don't know about a hedge. I could do with a steel wall. And it did remind me of our Steph who drove a quad bike through a hedge and I thought, well, that wasn't very protective, was it? She went straight through, but another story. But pray protection around your family. Um, this is what the psalmist says, Psalm 91 verse 2. He, he said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's the declaration of the psalmist. And in response, God speaks in the same psalm, Psalm 91 verse 14. I'll read it from the New Living Translation. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I'll reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. That's our God. Got some musicians would come back. Yeah, I'm rattling through this. What I'm going to do is just put some notes together and put it on a week, the weekly email. Uh, so watch out for those this week. But perhaps as the musicians come back, there's some words that are in the King James Version but are not in the New International Version or the New Living Translation. And they're called the doxology, the end of the prayer. Where verse 13 in the King James Version says, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You know, theologians have argued that that wasn't in the, some of the original Greek um, texts. Uh, but you start to see it from the 4th and 5th century, that passage coming in there. For thine is the kingdom, so I'm going I'm to talk about it, is that okay? For thine is the kingdom, Lord, the power and the glory forever. And I think it's encouraging me when I read that. It's just a declaration of faith, isn't it? For yours is his kingdom. Yours is the highest authority. There is no name higher than yours. Liam's testimony this morning of what God will do transforming people's lives and taking a step and making a declaration and just being a little bit bold on that circumstance just a few weeks ago. And then there's this whole thing for the glory is yours forever. And as we come to a conclusion and I find this, you know, as I'm praying in my own personal prayers and I still use some of this stuff today in my prayers 30 years on from when I first read some of this in that book can you not tarry one hour I still find myself coming I just want to praise God I want to honour him I want to thank him return to praise why don't you stand our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, today, our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen.